This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Buck Morning 5 here on Friday, May 20th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker for his usual Friday visit. Oh, what a day it was yesterday, my friend. Um, let's just get right into it. Jimbo and Saban playing the feud. I love it. I'm here for all of it. I know you are too. Your tweets are cracking me up. Um, <laughs> just We're going to get into a lot of it, but just your general thoughts on all that went down yesterday. Yesterday was amazing, Dave. <laughs> it, it was absolutely amazing. Like, you never really see anything like that when it comes to the coaches. And you know, you've been on the beat for several years. And coaches, you know, usually if someone's taking shots at them, it's just typically coach speed. But holy moly, did Jimbo <laughs> let loose. I mean, just a nine, 10 minute, just complete butt chewing to Nick Saban. And it was absolutely glorious to to be able to get all of those sound bites. I had to go back and listen to the interview twice. Um, I did too. Yesterday, I did too. <laughs> just so I can get everything out. I mean, he literally sat up there, said that man, questioned how that man was raised, said he needed to be slapped, called him a cheater four different times, said everybody in the industry knows how he goes about his business, basically said that if the, the uh, playing field isn't level. Saban is not the guy that everyone thinks he is. He doesn't walk on water. And holy moly, I was hoping yesterday after that response that on the college football XM show that we were going to get something where Nick Saban was hitting back, but he pretty much tried to defuse the situation after Greg Sankey reprimanded both coaches. Yeah, I was going to say, man, we had um, <laughs> we had a question about that. Not a question, really a comment um, from Yakov22 saying Saban acted like a baby and will have to publicly apologize. He actually, to his credit, he has apologized now. But, right. man, Jimbo said some things that you just cannot take back. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, you just, you know, I mean, he, I mean, my gosh. He said if he would have stopped after a minute, it would have been bad enough. As you said, it was like nine solid minutes of character assassination. Um, calling him everything but from a cheater to everything else. That I mean, it, it was crazy. I mean, you know, and I don't think I don't think that they can really make amends from that. What do you think? No, I don't think so. I mean, when when, when Jimbo said, I'm done, I'm done with him, uh, really question his ego, question Saban's character. I mean, he hit below the belt. That's that old Hatfield and McCoy's West Virginia type of dispute that you have going on right there. I mean, two West Virginia natives, and I tweeted to you last night, I wonder if the state of West Virginia is divided when it, when it comes to Saban and, 
and Jimbo there. But I tell you what, Dave, that SEC media day is going to be made for TV. I, I was reading today that they're, they're planning on having a five-and-a-half-hour coaches meeting with those two guys in the room there. And any type of man worth his salt would definitely address Jimbo man-to-man and say, hey, man, like that that was a below-the-belt uncalled for. Yeah, you mentioned West Virginia might be divided now, and my response to you was, "Well, when when's that ever? When's that state ever had to deal with division before, right?" Um, right. Um, <laughs> all right, let's get into this. So, what was you know the best, in my opinion, or however you want to phrase it, the most eye popping part of Jimbo's takedown of Saban? I th- I just think that the fact that he gave the green light to any investigative reporter to say, go dig into Nick Saban's past and you will find the bodies. Go talk to anybody who previously coached for him and they will tell you how this guy operates is dirty. He basically said Nick Saban is dirty. The way he runs his, his program behind closed doors is dirty. You really haven't seen a bunch of coaches come out defending Nick Right now, and I've seen some some guys that have come out defending Jimbo so far. So I'm just I'm just curious about if anyone will actually have the gumption to go and investigate Nick Saban. You know, ESPN won't. ESPN would not touch this with a ten foot pole. That's their golden goose, and they would not go investigate this. And then just the I mean the hilarity of it all, just the below the belt WWF type of spill that that Jimbo was going on with. Hey, I'm, he needs to be slapped. My daddy, my daddy didn't raise me this way to be able to act like that. I just thought it was interesting because at the end of the day, Nick Saban didn't say that Texas A&M was breaking state laws. He was basically saying that Texas A&M was buying players. They were paid for play. And Jimbo didn't necessarily refute that. And the one thing that I would take out of uh, Jimbo's comments after listening to the press conference again is he sit there and swore up and down. He has no idea what his NIL collective group does. He's not involved, doesn't know anything about it, pretty much just washed his hands of it. But at the same time, he goes out there and the second time, this is the second time he's went out there and said, they have done nothing wrong. There was no cheating here. Everything was above board. Well, if you don't know what the collective is even up to or what they're doing, how in the world would you know that they were above board and there was nothing shisty going on behind closed doors, meaning that they were promising to pay? And I've seen NIL uh, lawyers come out and say they're not putting it in writing, but it's kind of a wink, wink, handshake type of deal going on. It reminds me of Hugh Freeze a lot when everybody was like, wait a minute, Ole Miss just did what? Ole Miss signed the number one class in the country, or at least close to it. Like, what, what is going on here? And everybody was calling out Hugh Freeze and calling out Ole Miss. And, he, and Hugh Freeze put the infamous tweet up there that, yeah, here's the number of our compliance department. If anybody has any information, you know, fighting back on it. And then we learn, of course, they were cheating and all these guys were uh, were on the take. Um to the surprise of none of us that follow recruiting, all of a sudden Ole Miss comes out of, out of nowhere to sign like the number one class in the country. Now, a and right. a better program than Ole Miss. They have, you know, and, um, but I'm with you, man. I mean, there's no way A&M would have signed that class. And they were number one. They weren't just number one this year. It's the highest rated class ever. 
So yeah. um, just do the math there. If you have common sense, you can come to your own conclusion. Jay Book and I are in lockstep on that. Okay. Um, and, I, and I would tell you, I would tell you this, Dave, there were a lot of defense alignment that Ohio State were in recruiting battles with, with Texas A&M that basically said um, they love Larry Johnson and recognized that he was to go. And then as time progressed, it was Ohio State started to really fade in a shadow with a lot of those top high-end defensive line recruits. And come to find out, those guys were getting the bag. And I, I will say this before we move on. I know Nick Saban and Alabama usually finish strong when it comes to recruiting. If you look at the 24-7 rankings, they're around 36. They only have three recruits right now. Yes, historically, they always finish strong later in the recruiting cycle. But if you if you were to go back, listen to what Nick Saban's full speech was about, he was sitting at uh, a booster event where it was $1,000 a plate dinner, $5,000 a plate for VIP. And basically, he was soliciting to his boosters for them to up the ante on their own NIL collective. And he said, if they do not start opening up the checkbook, they would not be able to finish in that top that top three, top five recruiting because of the way things are going in the recruiting landscape. Yes, Alabama is going to get theirs. But what Nick Saban is telling people is we may we may push to get up there. But what he's seeing right now on the landscape is they're in way too many recruiting battles that they typically would not be in. They know right now the way things are trending, it is going to be an absolute grind to be able to get in that top five. So, yes, they may be able to finish strong like they typically do, but by no means will it be as easy as it used to be because of the NIL landscape to where kids are choosing one, should I get the bag right now? Should I take a million dollars up front to go to Texas A&M? Or should I go to Alabama where I can risk being uh, developed and going to the NFL and getting a long-term paycheck in the NFL? But you also have to keep in mind that a lot of coaches are pointing out uh, Alabama has a significant amount of turnover in their roster. A lot of people look at how many recruits they've signed in a five-year period it's way more than what you typically see from all the other top edge programs because they have a lot of attrition as far as the transfer portal. They do have a lot of guys that go early to the NFL. But the one thing that Nick Saban is a master at is roster management. He will cut those guys if they are not living up to their expectations. So that's some that's some of the things that I wanted to address because I know everybody is like, oh, Alabama's going to finish strong. Yes, they're going to finish strong, but that does not mean that Nick Saban is not concerned about how tough it's actually going to be in the future in order for them to finish in that top echelon of the recruiting classes. Very well said. And Jay Book and I are going to get into some Ohio State football. Specifically, we're going to talk about Ohio State's true freshmen and which true freshmen can help the Buckeyes this fall. But I would want to have tackle one more subject with Jimbo and, and Saban here. Okay, so – the entire thing was hilarious. I loved it. You loved it. I'm still loving it and just just reveling in it. Um, just it's fantastic. It's it's the best press conference I can remember. That Jim Jimbo just taking him down. Um, just but here's the thing though. Can we easily make the argument? I think I could that both men were being honest. Well, maybe Jimbo, not totally, but um Saban, I think, was being honest. And I was asked this yesterday. I filled in on a radio show here in Columbus, and you know, I was asked, you know, well. 
how do you know? How would Saban even know that, that this is going on? I, I said, I know exactly how he knows. And Jay Buck, I bet you know this too, because what's, and you alluded to this, what's happening is let's say there was a five-star recruit that Alabama wanted and they thought they were going to get, and the kid told them he wanted to go there. But then all of a sudden, you know, hypothetically, Texas A&M comes in and says, we're going to give you a half million dollars up front. And then the kid and his mom go back, you know, and the dad go back to Alabama and say, we want to come here, but this is what they're offering. And we, I know for a fact that this is going on and not just at Alabama, but in A&M, but, you know, there's bidding wars going on where, you know, a kid might want to come to Ohio State and says, but this other school's offering $5 million or not $5 million, you know, $500,000 up front. Can you match? And Ohio State's saying, no, we can't do that. So I guarantee that's how Saban knows is he, he had kids coming to him and parents coming to him saying, can you match this? I also think Jimbo was saying a lot of truths. So I think even though it was hilarious, I think they both men were telling a lot of truths. Saban absolutely 100% know what the market is dictating right now. Right. And the thing is, is Alabama cannot compete with the Texas oil money. They have unlimited pockets. And if it comes down to it, Texas and Texas A&M, they're going to outspend everyone in the country just because of the oil money down there. And Brian Schottenstein has been on butt nuts. He's been on spaces talking to people and he doesn't go into necessarily specific details, but he's alluded to it that, yeah, they know what the going rate is for certain prospects they know what the going rate is for top end guys coming out of the transfer portal so if guys at ohio state know what the what the market is you better believe those high-end guys down south in the sec know what the rate is lane kivens even said it lane kivens just he said we can't afford what some of these kids are getting as far as their nil collective at Ole miss because they do not have the pockets as deep as texas a&m so that's why I alluded to it has to come down to conversations with the families. Do you want to secure a half a million dollars, a million dollars right now as an 18-year-old, or do you want to go and potentially get developed to go to the actual NFL? And I will say this, Dave, most people like us and everybody else who's reasonable will say, look, look out for your best interest and try to get try to get the long-term money, the big cash from the NFL. But you have to keep in mind, a lot of these kids in the South, they come from a poverty-stricken area. They come from a situation that is pretty hard off, and it looks like third-world country in some of those places that you know some of these kids come from. And if someone waves a half a million dollars, a million dollars to where you could substantially improve your life and the quality of life for your family, that is very hard to turn down. You know, we had somebody that just echoed what you said earlier that uh, the, the irony here is when, uh, <laughs> oh, this, that's the Dion comment. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dion mentioned that too. But the irony here is when Saban was at uh, the event where he said the infamous words now, um, he was just trying to raise more money, like you said, for so they could keep up with NIL. So, so there you go. All right. Let's switch gears. Um, we spent enough time talking about, I don't, I don't know. We probably could talk about that for an hour. Right? <laughs> but, uh, right. Uh, for the sake of uh, making this a morning show and not an afternoon show. Let's move on. I'm really curious um, to get your take on this. So which true freshman can help the Buckeyes this fall? Now, it's not, it's not going to be anything like we saw last year, hopefully. <laughs> Things would go really wrong if a bunch of true freshmen are starting and playing a lot. But they're going to need guys to fill in on the two deep. And what I'm going to do is, and you don't need to give me 10, but I, I, I was doing some show prep, and I, I just ended up writing down 
the 10 in order that I think are going to help the Buckeyes the most. And I, I, I didn't go in reverse order. I just went in regular order here. So these are the 10. And to be clear, these are not the guys that I think are necessarily the best 10 true freshmen are going to have the best careers. The guys that can help the most this year because maybe they enrolled early, maybe there's need at a position, and they're good at football. All those things combined. All right, here we go. Number one, Kai Stokes. He's going to be the backup to Ronnie Hickman at the adjuster. He's one play away from being a starter. They love Ronnie Hickman, but Kai Stokes is going to be a stud. He's 6'2", 185. He's got some Malik Hooker to his game. I know I'm not breaking news there. I know you guys love Kai Stokes. I love Kai Stokes. That's number one. Number two, Caden Curry. I think he's going to play some some. They've got some good depth at D end. Um, so I don't know if he'll be on the two deep necessarily. He might be a, like an and or an or, um, but he will be the backup Jack behind Jack Sawyer. And I do think Caden Curry is going to play a decent amount at defensive end. He might play more than like a guy like fifth year senior Javante Jean Baptiste. Um, so I like Caden Curry. I know this coaching staff likes Caden Curry. Look out for him. Again, these guys aren't going to start, but these guys are going to play a decent amount. Um, and I debated this. I debated number three. I actually almost changed it, but I went with Keon Grays. Here's why I'm hearing now that there's a chance he could be the number five receiver, or at least the number six, battling with um, Jaden Ballard. They really like Keon Gray. So he's a guy that could, you know, fill up the three deep there. Um, number four, I almost put Hero Canoe there. So maybe I could switch those guys. I'll get to that in a, in a moment just because of depth at D tackle. Um, number four, I have CJ Hicks. It's going to be tough at linebacker because of how they only use two linebackers usually, and they like Eichenberg and Chambers as the starters, but C.J. Hicks enrolled early, the only five-star guy in the, in the class. He's getting some first-team reps here and there in scrimmage situations during spring, so C.J. Hicks is going to at least help on special teams, and I think he'll play a little bit on defense. Hero Canoe, I probably have him a little too low here because they need somebody to round out that three deep at D-tackle. I like the top five that they have at D-tackle. They need – one more guy there. Is it going to be Jaden McKenzie? Is he going to be the sixth guy? Or is it going to be Hero Canoe? So I think there's an opportunity there for Hero Canoe. And then if guys get hurt, Hero Canoe, even though he's coming in late, um, coming in late in June, um, not late in June, but coming in in June, I think he can help. Okay, I'll go through this fast. I'm rambling. Uh, Jair Brown at corner. They only have six scholarship corners. So both of the true freshmen enrolled early are going to need to play um, to round up to 3D. Jair Brown, I have him there. I have Sonny Styles at seven. You might think that that's too low, um, but he's going to come in as a third-team player um, at that bandit uh, safety behind both um, Josh Proctor and Court Williams. But I'm, obviously, I love Sonny Styles. Um, number eight, I have Ryan Turner because they need depth there at corner. Like I said, another true freshman that enrolled early. Uh, number nine, I have Tegra Tishabola. Could he, uh, you know, round out the two deep? They need uh, depth at, at offensive line, and he's the. Best of the true freshman offensive linemen. So I have Tegra there at number nine. And then at 10th, I have Devin Brown, third string quarterback. We'll see. Maybe he'll be second string. Hopefully it won't be a situation where they need him too much. But what a great uh, third string quarterback if he is. Uh, and maybe he'll be the second string. So those are my 10. What do you think? Where did I get it wrong? Um, go through that and, and tell me what you think, Jay Book. Yeah, I would definitely have uh, Sonny Styles a little bit higher. I just think that he's going to be a guy that – they're not going to be able to keep off the field. He's going to come in and show that athleticism and versatility to where they're going to find a, a way to try to get him a couple of reps there. The one guy that I would say I, I would put on your top 10 list is Carson Hensman, uh, the kid that they beat out for 
Wisconsin. Anytime that you can get a, a Wisconsin offensive lineman, and we know how good Wisconsin has been able to produce offensive lineman, I just think that he's going to have an opportunity to come in and push to get into that too deep because I'm not absolutely sold on that second team offensive line. I do think there are positions up for grabs to where someone like him can come in and push to get into that too deep as a true freshman. Uh, and then I wouldn't sleep on Kojo Antwi. Um, I know a lot of people are really big on him. We're obviously deep at the wide receiver position, so it's going to be hard uh, for those younger guys to really crack, crack the lineup there. But I just think that he's going to be a name to keep an eye out on. But as far as your overall top 10 list, I think you pretty much nailed it with those uh, guys. I would be curious to see um, how they do with Hero Canoe. As you mentioned, defensive tackle. He's a bigger kid. He's already going to come in about 6'5", 300 as an 18-year-old freshman. We saw that with those big body type of defensive tackles, even if they're young, they're willing to try to get them on the field for a couple of reps there because defensive tackles is a position to where Ohio State is somewhat undersized compared to the, the Georgias or your Alabamas or your Clemsons. So getting another 300-plus defensive tackle in there would be a position that I could see can get on the field um, early on. And then I'm curious to see what we can get out of uh, Amari Abar, uh, the, the freshman out of Texas. I know you listed some guys that have been on campus fairly early. I would probably put uh, Stokes and Curry at my number one and number two as well. But can we get something out of those young defensive ends that are going to be arriving on campus this summer in Amari Abar and Kenyatta Jackson? Because at the end of the day, what did Ohio State really struggle at this past year? That is getting after the quarterback. I know you mentioned that they like some of the guys that they actually have. But my thing is we need impact players at that defensive line. We just don't need guys out there just taking reps and, and being live bodies. We need impact guys who will be able to bend that corner and get after the quarterback. And that's why you went down to Texas. That's why you went down to Florida to get some of those high-end defense alignment that can get after the quarterback. Great stuff out of Jonah Booker, as always. Thank you very much, Jay Book, especially for getting up early and bringing knowledge, getting up at what? Yeah, you're doing the show at like 7.15 your time, so appreciate that. At least we started at 7.15 a.m. your time. Appreciate you, uh, appreciate you getting up early and sharing your wisdom with everybody. Really appreciate all the listeners. Love you guys. Appreciate all the comments. And I uh, hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 